again. We are back for the Dark Side of Dino podcast. Welcome, everybody, for another scare session. I am your host, as always, Tim. I'm here with Jared. Are you there tonight? I am, Tim. How are you, man? Fantastic. Fantastic. We haven't done a Dark Side of Dino podcast in a minute, so we thought we would uh, you know, sit down since it's dark late at night and uh, go over the origins of of Dino Nugget 741. Everybody wants to hear how it began, how it started, all that good stuff. Yeah, and I mean, you're part of the channel, man. You know. I mean, there's a lot of questions in the comments that I don't know. I think we should just start from the beginning. Absolutely. Like, you know, how we'll it all... make this a multi segment thing and you know, I'll go from the origins to you know where i'm at now and if people want to really know the story then just keep downloading and listening otherwise i i don't give a fuck you can just watch the videos and make up your own conclusions but i think you're doing something (laughs) i mean they got to listen to all the different avenues of uh, content if they want the whole story because no no one video or no one podcast is going to tell the complete story you got to listen to everything that uh we're providing. We're giving you all the information in different channels to uh, consume it. And you and I both, including Rob, from time to time, have done, you know, research into what we've done and what I've experienced. And, you know, I, I fully intend on exposing that right down from investigators to religious figures. And I think, Tim, you and I both know that this has been a journey and you know, people really want to listen to it and just not want to see the video clips. This will be a good glimpse on into, um, you know, my day to day life, which I tried the whole vlogging thing, man. And fuck that. Yeah. It's just easier to tell the story when we can just sit down and talk about it. You know, it's not always easy to shove a camera in your face and get the whole story out there. So that's why we, you know, we offer, uh, this Avenue, which is podcasting that you'll get the complete story. From the source. And everybody knows right. that and I kind of work behind the scenes. It's a platform that I'm comfortable because I don't have to look into a fucking camera and then watch it back and be like, God, I look like that. <laughs> you know, like, fuck it. <laughs> it we're, we're talking about something that is severely controversial. And it is so much easier for me to, to tell my story or tell a story. However you want to look at it, because believe it or not, I don't give a fuck. But it's it's easier for me to be able to be on this type of a platform and speak my mind and, you know, really go in and dig into some of the things that you and I are getting ready to dig in on, like, than it is to do it on camera. And I'm sorry for a lot of you guys that, you know, would prefer to see me do this on YouTube, but. If I'm on YouTube, I'm either eating real hot shit or showing you shit that I've caught on camera, which is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm sorry, guys, I'm not going to make you fake videos. I'm only going to drop the real ones that we've seen. And Tim, please let these people know what kind of time goes into a channel like this. Oh, man, we invest endless amount of hours each week to try to bring you as much content as we possibly can. And, you know, we still can't make everybody happy, but, uh, you know, we try to do the best that we can. We both do work and full-time jobs and we live, you know, the reality of life and everything that comes with that. 
And Tim, tell tell these people that not only are we a self-funded channel, any contributions I'm not taking away from, much love. But we've never asked for money and we've never asked for anybody to believe anything. Absolutely. But why would I move states? And Tim, please give them a rough estimate of what we've spent total to be able to provide and produce the content that we do. We're probably on our own dime. We're probably up there in like the 50 grand mark as far as buying equipment and uh, getting everything set up the way we want it to set up to deliver as much content as quickly as we can possibly get to it for each and every person out there. And that's all, like you said, self-funded. We didn't do a GoFundMe. We don't have trust funds. We don't have any of that kind of stuff. It's all just out of our pocket trying to bring you the best content we possibly can each week. Right. So, I mean, to get rid of the haters. And and guys, like, there's two sides of J or JB. You know, I, I love being a dick to the haters, and I love being supportive to the cool ones out of you. And the ones that, you know, are too afraid to say anything and you subscribe, like, just make your voice heard. Mm-hmm. You have plenty of avenues Tim can get into how you can you know get a hold of us and come chat with me you know what I mean like come let me know that I'm not all alone come talk to Tim and let him know Tim Tim has shit going on in his house Tim how fucked up has your situation got at home not in life but at home since you've been dealing with this definitely uh been hearing a lot of like strange stuff that I didn't hear before and I think it's all just by association it's crazy that uh, well that and you took shit out of the basement right and yeah we haven't really gotten to that part of it yet but uh, we'll get to that part <laughs> for sure but uh, yeah, why Tim we, you hiding something no no we'll get to that uh, th- that <laughs> eventually but uh, when you go looking you're for this scared stuff, you're scared I could smell it on you when you go looking for this stuff and get involved in this stuff, it tends to uh, find you. <laughs> and I wouldn't say at a halfway point, but at some point it will find you. They got Rob and JC. Mm-hmm. Anybody that gets... Channel grows like crazy, guys. There's nothing but money to be made just on ads. Right. And this is That's not what we are about. And these two people have dropped off the faces. Yeah, community. Rob comes in and does what he does, but me and Tim... I don't know how the fuck we've been doing it, bro, but you kept me at home. You kept me safe. You kept me sober. And anybody who's watched my lives would know I don't give a fuck about a lot because at a certain point, you give a fuck. And then at a certain point, you're just like, you know what? Suck a bag of dicks. Just whatever comes. And Tim and Rob seem to reel me in. Tim lately, a lot more than Rob, but but I'm telling you, it's 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 always good to have two hooks in you to pull you in from a dark place. And with this with this little series that we're gonna do, I'm gonna take you into the depths of an emotional roller coaster. We kind of uh, you know uh, both watched a movie here recently that kind of mirrors your situation that uh, had an effect on us to say the least. The the Shadow People movie. That's very similar to like the phenomenon that's going on with you. If anybody hasn't seen that movie and they want to truly be scared, go to YouTube and watch Shadow People and uh, tell them, tell us what you think. 
yeah, come back to the channel. We'll have a, a little video set up. I want to see your comments. It's called the shadow people. And guys, like, I've lived through a lot of shit. And Tim, he's not ready to fully admit. He's always got some excuse to say, but the dude's experiencing shit. Mm-hmm. And he'll he'll admit it to a certain point, Tim. And Absolutely. I'm going to call you out on it, but we both know that it's it's gotten to the point where you get scared, and then you watch movies like The Shadow People, and you're like, "This is really fucking happening." Yeah. I had nightmares. Mm-hmm. It kept me up at night. I kept uh, thinking I was hearing things. I kept thinking I was seeing things. And the whole premise of the movie is that if uh, you think about them, they come to you. It's fucked if up. You manifest it. Right? Yeah, it's a fucked up movie, and that's what you've been saying all along. It's all about the manifestation of the mind can do crazy things. Mm-hmm. So it's just when your mind's doing crazy things and then you catch it on camera. And that's how what, you explain that. Of course, it's a physical manifest manifestation at that point. You physically dude, they say that we only use 10% of our brain. So what's the other 90% doing? Is it like manifesting things? Is it, Dormant. Well, maybe that's how you unlock that shit to where you physically manifest it to where, you know, it is, a, it's a viable attribute to it that anybody can see at that point because you're so focused in on it. Like, we went through so many fucking different realms and you and I know this is like the end point where we're at with this story and where we're at currently, what we're talking about now. But we're going to go all the way from the beginning through all the religious sites and then let you guys think your conclusion leading up to where I'm at now. Yeah, and hopefully it's not a case where like 10% of your mind is light and the other 90% is darkness because that, uh, that wouldn't be a good thought to, uh, to uh, dwell on for very long. It's dwelling is you know, self-pity at this point. Like, to dwell on anything right now, you know what I dwell on? If I'm three minutes late to work. Mm-hmm. Or if I didn't get the dishes done before my wife got home from work. You know what I mean? Like, if I didn't get a vacuum before I went and did what I was supposed to do for the day. Those those are the stupid things that I dwell on. Like, things that people wouldn't normally dwell on, and that's for a reason, because it if I focus all my attention and all of everything that I do on other shit, then I'm less likely to notice the thing that scares me the most because I'm so wrapped up and so concerned about the dumbest things that you can go through in life, like laundry, vacuuming, being a bartender, being completely OCD clean. Like there's not a drop of dust, like fans that go on, you know how they catch, that dust and you've got that you know layer of like lint after a while on the blades like you'll never find a fan in my home which they're everywhere every room every floor with a drop of dirt on them like i i become obsessed and when i go now that i've switched you know occupations i am and incredible bartender personality wise but like if one thing is out of place or one thing is dirtier you let dishes back up on me i lose my shit 
And I think that that's a, a mechanism that I have because at the end of the night, I know I have to go home and I have a 50-50 chance depending on the, the energy that I bring in the house. It seems like will either amplify the experience or, you know, nullify it where it's like, oh, okay, we can overlook a knock in the base, you know, in the kitchen a few times. And it's like, that could be the cat. We have a 30-pound fucking Maine Coon. Literally, it's a cat that weighs 30 pounds, and it's a Maine Coon cat. You know, and it could be his fat ass just bumping up against shit, trying to jump up on something, knocking something over. It's a lot easier to deal with because I have my mindset on other things. And as long as I come in occupied with so many different levels, it's like I forget about that shit. So when it does happen, I, you know, I just don't go looking for it all the time. And what a lot of viewers don't get is I need to live a normal fucking life. I don't make a living off of you guys going through what I do at home. I create a video because it happens at the time. It's one straight clip. There is no cuts. There is no edits. There is no CGI. This is one fluid video. And I record it as I get it. And what a lot of people don't get is they're looking for these channels that, you know, are paranormal and they, they post once or twice a week. I'm not going to do that. Because it would take away from the quality of my video and the realness. Because you can't catch paranormal activity every day. It doesn't happen. You don't have enough time in your life to go through every second of every day that you live. Because you live a normal eight-hour workday, right, Tim? Absolutely. You know, we all got uh, the everyday things that we deal with, and that's kind of synonymous with the videos you've been putting out lately, the hot challenges, because that's like everyday life stuff. You can't always talk paranormal 24-7. It's just not a... Because it doesn't happen 24-7. Right. This yeah. isn't the fucking Amityville horror movie. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? It, it, it's just, it's not. And for these people to go to every location and there's 70,000 videos on it, like, oh, my most scariest demon encounter yet. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, you use those type of words to get people to look into your video. It moves it up the algorithm in YouTube. I, I'm happy with my, you know, 18,000 and counting subscribers after a year. These are people who are genuinely interested in the story that they don't hear about every fucking week. You know why I do that? Because I can't produce a video once a week because I live a life. I have kids, I have a wife, and I have a life. And I'm not going to come home from work to relive the eight hours that I escaped this place from because that's what I go to work. Or people go to work to escape the realities of their everyday life. They really do. Tim, you've got to agree to that. Absolutely. Would you rather sit at home? No. Or would you rather go to work, deal with that shit, and then come home and use that as your sanctuary? Absolutely. You can only sit at home for so long and do nothing to where your brain just starts to atrophy. And I, I can't do it. I start to get antsy. And like you said, uh, you get obsessed with things that you 
probably shouldn't be over obsessed with because when does obsession, uh, you know, translate into manifestation? That's a very real possibility in, you know, in, in a Christian view that, and, and see, and we're leading up into the knowledge that you and I have gained from trying to actually cure a situation versus go and get video footage and be like, yeah, that guy's fucked. And I just made 12 grand off of his house and I'm on to the next. Fuck that. The shit that you and I have been doing with research and, you know, going on, there's, you know, we're going to give it from a Christian aspect to a Muslim aspect to a Jewish aspect, you know, and we're, we're going to wrap it up into the story because there's a lot more to my story than what I show online. So much more. There's a lot of information. It would fill in a lot of gaps for a lot of people who are on the fence. They're like, oh, okay, well, there's here this thing. Well, why wouldn't he do that? And once you hear my reaction to it, as we go through it step-by-step step, leading up to where, you know, I'm currently at now in Arizona, after a random move out of nowhere to get the fuck out of a house that literally was shaking <laughs> When I'm trying to move out of it, like you have something fly in front of the door that changes shape. (laughs) Like if you want to know the reality of what I go through and what, you know, somebody like Tim and even Rob have been through being around me, like you're, you're going to hear that in an in-depth story, but we're going to start at the front page. Right. And that's who I am. Mm-hmm. where I come from and when things started to, you know, be a little different. When you have as much time as I have to reflect and try to figure shit out, I've never put the real story out there. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm famous on TikTok. I think, what, a fair million views right now? <laughs> like, I never have to give the story behind it. I just post the video. But I there's there's so many people that want to know so much more and i think that you know like i've told people on a lot of our videos this is the way i do it so you know if you if you're coming to tune into this you're going to be a lot more educated on not only my perspective tim's perspective both of our experiences where we were at when we you know started with all this stuff and how we believed in it to where we're at current day. And I think that a lot of viewers will know that as you listen more, it progresses and progresses. And I, I hope that, you know, you, you keep yourself guarded. You know, I think Tim would abundantly agree that since he's been involved with this whole channel that, you know, there's some shit that he's experienced in his life that, weren't there before it's not a coincidence absolutely there's some things that happen that don't exactly add up in like what we perceive to be reality and for anybody that has followed you for a while they understand that like your videos are a chronicling of like the progression of what's going on and you know it's very clear that things have gotten worse and it and it has got worse i would say that we've moved So we're going to do another move just to damp it down. And then after this next move, we're going to make one last move and that'll be one that we purchase. And then we'll travel after that. 
Um, we'll get into that later on in the story, but you know, I would I would like to open it up in this first session tonight with you know a little bit briefing about who I am and you know how things got started and you know have Tim give his you know tidbits on you know where it started with the podcast uh <clears throat> going over video footage because it's hard to go work an eight hour day and then come home and spend eight hours reliving the day at home that you had at work it's and that's what people don't understand it's there's so much work that goes involved in this and i i couldn't get a a lot of it done without tim you know and rob does what he can when he can you know he, he stays diligent and you know we we have a good team we're bringing on a new team member Absolutely. i'd love to hear people's you know thoughts and comments about it after the videos post i'm gonna leave that up to tim Yep, it'll be going live and, this week, and uh, she's going to be helping us with some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that, uh, frankly, we haven't had a lot of time to uh, dedicate towards, and uh, it's important stuff that needs to get uh, addressed. Right, and then, again, understand, people, this is a self-funded channel. You know, we, we have sponsorships and shit that come in and, you know, various emails, and it's, you know, when you get up to this level, and thank you, each and every one of you, and you know appreciate a download follow the story on the podcast we'll make a brief video available on youtube but to be honest guys like this shit costs a lot of money and i'm not going to ask my my subscribers or my viewers or listeners for any money i'm going to make it popular enough to where i get sponsorships and then i can keep providing the same type of content and you know giving you an inside perspective from, you know, month to month on what something like this really may feel like for you. You know, whether you're a believer or not, this stuff that I go through scares people. And I don't think that it's going to get any worse than it has gotten. I don't think it's going to get any lighter than it's ever been. It's a consistent thing. And however I want to dictate it and put it out there to you guys is based off my comfort level. And my comfort level right now is doing it on a podcast with Tim. And every once in a while, we'll have Rob chime in when it's more technical on that aspect than what he, he actually deals with. And then we're going to introduce Jess Kay. You know, she's a, she's a pretty face to look at. She's smart. She's got a, a lot of education behind her. She's got her own views. Um, you know, I'm glad to have her on the team. It's just we're going to slowly roll her out to you. And, you know, when she's doing interviews with you to get on this podcast, um, it just depends on what your story is on which one we're going to put you on. Absolutely. She's going to interview you. Tim and I are going to look at it. Tim's going to ultimately tell me what we're going to do, and we'll get on. Press the record and play button and do one of these. Because <laughs> if you're a fuck, that's what you hear. Crickets. Yeah, she's. Uh, I won't put you online. She's very good about uh, seeing through people that aren't genuine and people that are just uh, trying to get through to basically uh, do like malicious stuff. And, uh, you know, she's going to be able to vet and see through people. Exactly. And, 
any of you that have watched me for these last two years know I don't I don't really I'm not a nice guy when it comes to being you know and you know try to be played for a fool or be trolled on and I I dare you assholes that like to be keyboard heroes to call into the hotline go through the interview and actually get me on the phone I I I would love that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and have a keyboard battle with you, but now you have a platform to actually put your money where your mouth is. And boy, let me have it. Like, please. I've left a perfect footprint. You can't deny anything that I do or I say. And I will fuck your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, I guess we've set that up pretty good about, uh, you know, what we're all about, building the community and, you know, seeing where this uh, ultimately ends up, but uh, I guess we should get into the uh, the origins of Dino Nuggets. Right. Well, play something scary, and we'll get it going. We got all this equipment. You, <laughs> <use> Tommy. <laughs> we'll start it. Here the we beginning. go. Hold on. I might have one for us. <laughs> Yeah, we can go. Welcome, everybody. This is the origin Dino Nuggets. This is my sex voice. I would like to uh, introduce my partner, Tim. I'm here as always. I'll be commenting uh, from time to time. But for the most part, I'm going to let Jared tell the story from the beginning. All right, everyone. So all of you know me on social media as JB. My name's Jared, and I was born in Colorado in the year of 1982 in September. Um, grew up with the average, you know, luxuries of life. I had, you know, a successful family. I grew up in a Jewish family, and, you know, they've, they've always been money-wise, you know, in good shape. Um, I grew up with, like I said, like, all the advantages in life that I could ever have. And I'm very grateful and humble. Um, I had a lot of, a lot of help along the way, even when I shouldn't have had, you know what I mean? Like I had plenty of help to, to get me to the places that I am now. And I would, I, I honestly think without the influences that I had in my life with my parents and my family that I would have amounted to shit because at the end of the day, if you don't have good coaches behind you, pushing you nonstop all the fucking time, um, you know, there's a lot of roads that appear in front of you, and it just depends which one you want to go down. But So I come from Jewish immigrants, and my mother married into an Italian family. Um, turns out he was kind of a whore, so... I have a bunch of half brothers. I don't have any full siblings. And, you know, we had to split our life between Jewish people and Catholic people. Um, me and a couple of my brothers. Now, the rest of the brothers, parents, it did stick around. Um, it was usually a mom or a dad. I mean, we both, we all grew up with, a, you know, that, that typical North Denver child, you know, story. You know, we weren't the worst off, but we weren't the best off. You know, the best off being that you had loving and caring parents that were around you all the time. 
okay. That's the ideal life. You have parents who make really good money, but they're home all the time. They never miss a soccer game. They're always at your parent-teacher conferences, and they're there at the end of every day to pick you up and give you that big warm hug and be like, how was your day at school? You know, the reality is, is in real life, a majority of people never experience that. It, it, it's just true. And, you know, some kids got it worse than most. But that that plays into a big part of where, you know, my story's going. So I found out when I was about 13 that I was adopted. And I came from a teenage mother. I knew my mom was, you know, a lot younger looking than the majority of my friends growing up. And my grandpa just didn't trust her enough, so he kept me. So I grew up between a mom that had limited access to me and a grandfather that was very possessive and had full custody of me. One was Jew, one was Catholic. So... The family got together. I was getting old enough, and I had a godmother and godfather. It was a woman and her son. I'm not going to give her names for specific reasons, but after going everything that I've been through and the videos that a lot of you that are listening to have watched, and you know, for those that are new to the channel, Dino Nugget 741, The Haunting of Dino Nugget 741 is on the thumbnail of a lot of them. But the channel's just Dino Nugget 741, YouTube and TikTok. And it, it, they're just small depictions of bits and pieces of my life that I've been able to catch on film. Everyone has a camera. That's why people think that, oh, the world's going to end because they see a really bad storm and then everybody across the world knows about it because 3,000 people had a camera on it. Well, I, I took advantage of some of that stuff some years back. But going back to my childhood, you know, both families had to agree on a baptism, and they finally did. You know, and I, I went through my bar mitzvah, and I went through being a Catholic confirmed, going through, you know, catechism, first communion, you know, being baptized, all of that stuff. Well. When I was young and they went to baptize me, it was at a Catholic church, St. Mary's. It was in Colorado. Well, everything was good. My mom, my grandpa, everybody were there. I was in good spirits. I was a little kid. And they took me into the church. And my grandpa said, since the moment that they walked in, I started getting fussy. You know, the ceremony went on. They brought me up to the altar. They were going to you know, put me in the water, which is actually just really the priest dipping his hand in the water, putting it on your face, drawing a cross. You know what I mean? They're not holding you underwater anymore at that time in the eighties. I guess just depends on which church you really went to. And I, I, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I remember my mom telling the same story and my grandpa telling the exact same story. So I knew you know, when two stories from two people that hated each other matched up, that there had to be some type of validity in it at that point. Um, and I got severely sick, super high temperature, over 103 degrees. I was puking and screaming and crying or they, they couldn't finish the baptism. 
So they were like, okay, we'll take a break. We'll take them outside. You know, we'll take them to the doctor. And the moment I got outside, stop crying, stop puking, fever went back down. So they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe he's allergic to something. You know, we'll, we'll try it again. Family takes me back into the church, get sick, start screaming. Everything starts going nuts. Well, my godfather and godmother at that time are like, oh, you know, this kid's evil. And eventually, you know, uh, which I'm still trying to get out of my family, I, I have my, you know, certificate of baptism. And then I went through catechism and everything after that. But, you know, I, I never, ever really felt comfortable inside of a church ever. You know, especially Catholic. Like, I'll go to Shabbat. I'll go to temple. I'll, I'll do all kinds of stuff on the Jewish side of it. But it's just, that's, that's not where my heart is. I go there to appease my family. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't just want to cut yourself off your family completely, especially when a lot of their dynamics is religion. So to be able to, you know, withhold that family sense when you come from two very different families, one that's older because it was my grandpa who had us, you know, and then a mother that was a teenage mother, but actually grew up to be, worth a damn, you know, that you start to interweave, you know, interweave, you know, through when you go out through life. So I, I had the, the Catholic bath background and I also had the Jewish background. And, you know, to be honest, at a certain point in my life, especially when I was in a teenager and I started to figure out what the fuck was going on and the weird situation that I was in, like, both sides of my family kept that little piece from me through my baptism. My grandpa always said that I used like, <laughs> you know, you ride in a whole different planet. He's always telling me that. He's like, you're on a whole different planet. You know, and I never really thought about it. You know, I, I've, I've had some weird thoughts and stuff growing up. And, you know, I, I've always been pretty successful, but, you know, I, I never found myself praying for, you know, world peace or praying to let me get an A on this next test. It was like, it was always something crazy. Like I prayed for a nice car so I could get pussy, you know, like for real. Like I didn't pray for money and fame. I, I prayed for what I needed at that time. And I, I used both faith to do that. I never felt guilty about it. You know, increasingly over the years, I found myself more and more and more, you know, enlightened and aware of, you know, horror movies, for example. Me and my grandpa would watch nothing but scary movies, starting from The Exorcist. And I, I'm, I'm 40 years old, and when I saw that movie, I was young, you know, and it completely fucked me up. You know, just like the whole start to finish. And, you know, that's that's one of the first movies that I think that I've ever saw that really ever scared me. And, you know, moving past that, I, I guess it wasn't like a obsession. It was just like when people would go to the VHS stores and the movie shops. And, you know, for a lot of you younger viewers, we didn't always have Netflix and Prime and shit like that. We had to go to like Hollywood Video or Blockbuster 
where we'd get a VHS tape or a DVD. You know, I, I watched the, the whole cycle. I mean, we started out with VHS and then VHS got phased out by, you know, DVD and then DVD got phased out by Blu-ray. And then now I think there's one Best Buy left in the country. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, one, one blockbuster. Uh, uh, Everything's like streaming uh, now is the popular uh, avenue. Right. And do you remember the back room with the curtain on it had all the pornos in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that uh, very fondly. <laughs> yes. But when like mom and dad saying, weren't looking, I'd sneak back there and get screamed at and be like, I didn't know. In case people kind of missed what you were talking about, like you were praying for stuff for yourself. And usually, like in a lot of religions, when you pray for stuff to be like selfish, that doesn't get answered by God. It gets answered by uh, someone else. So if, in case anybody missed that little tidbit, I just want to kind of emphasize that for a second. The moral of that that I was trying to get to is pray for stuff when you don't have to, mm-hmm. not just when you need it. And honestly, I, I'd rather pray for shit that I need at that point or that I want other than forgiveness or love or, you know, come into my life. And I just, I don't bite in all that shit. I never have. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what makes me different from the rest of my family. But, you know, I never never really went through life ever seeing shit like anything that I'd pay attention to. You know, and I, I've sat back and I've, I've really thought about it. Like, I don't ever been anything like this. You know, thinking back to when I was a teenager and living at home and, you know, growing up going through puberty and doing the shit like that like did i ever ever have an experience like that and i'm going to tell you no 100 percent. and i was a big critic of it like people like oh yeah my house is haunted and i'm like yeah i guess so there's your stepdad coming in and touching you in the middle of the night and fucking nut job like you know i was a dick about it and the just like Avon, like I never really put any type of effort or thought in it. And then I got married. I got married to a chick that was seven years younger than me. And, you know, it, from the get, you know, her father was never a, a, a cordial individual. Tow truck guy really short Napoleon syndrome, morbidly obese. My mother-in-law, one of the nicest women you'd ever meet, I just, but still stuck under the tyrant rule of a midget fat fuck. You know, my doc, my wife was also under that same rule. They owned a tow truck company and that was their family goal. Everyone had to work for the company. And I just, you know, I just, I never really, wanted to be a part of that i i was always better than that i always proved that like i made more money doing other things throughout my childhood you know after my you know degree came and all that kind of stuff like i wasn't going to limit myself to driving a fucking international tow truck that had air ride on it and towing people's pieces of shit never wanted that but when I trace things back, it was when I was at my lowest where I was just like, I hated my life. I had kids. I did everything that I could to make sure that they didn't see my unhappiness. And then it got to a certain point to where, you know, I started to, you know, go out fishing late at night and I'd wait for her to get home whenever she did. And 
have the kids fed or, you know, put to bed. I thought that buying them toys, getting them designer things and living in nice houses was enough for my absence. Cause I just fucking hated being around her. I just, you know, it, I never got to be my own person. It was always like, well, you're a bad dad because of this. Or you're a bad dad because of that. But you know, where I'm going with this, it was just over the amount of years that I was with people and I hear that shit every fucking day. You know, this tow truck company is open seven days a week, 24 hours a day. My wife was working 12 hours a day. And then her dad would take out the dinner. Like, it was nonstop with them that I think that things really started to amplify for me because, you know, I, I was at my, my vulnerable point. You know, I was unhappy. I had children that I loved that I would never want to leave. And, you know, it's just, I had a, a lot of depression. I had a lot of things that were going on and, you know, an attempt to, to break the monotony up, we had set up a trip to go down to Polk City, Florida, which I don't know if you, a lot of you know, it's in the middle of Buck Nowhere, Central Florida, and it's also the home of a, a KKK leader that literally put up fucking flyers in the local gas station um, for his little gatherings. They weren't KKK meetings. They weren't blowing up fucking crosses. They weren't doing like that. It was just a bunch of racist rednecks that got together like a town hall and would talk about how they hated black people, <laughs> which there wasn't any within a couple hundred miles around because people that are smart know that you stay out of redneck towns like that. Well, anyway, I am not a fan of flying. Never have been. And... We had had this 10-day trip set up, but I set it up to where I was <clears throat> on a 13-day trip because I wanted to take my time. I drove a Toyota Camry from Golden, Colorado to Polk City, Florida. I went all the way down south, went all the way through Houston, down I-10, all the way through New Orleans. And, and mind you, there, there's already heavy weight on me because I'm knowing I'm going into a, a vacation when my marriage is literally on the rocks. And, you know, I just, I just had that bad feeling. Like, I, I don't want to get on a plane. I just, that bad feeling had hit me. And there's some weird shit that had happened before that that didn't really, you know, catch my eye at that point. But I just, I had a gut feeling like, don't fly there. There's something that's going to happen here. Just, you know, try to stay away. So I drove and I had a, you know, Florida Georgia line CD and a Luke Bryan CD. And I listened to it and I drove hours and hours, sun up to sundown, stopped at one hotel and drove the rest of the way, stopped in New Orleans. Now, I don't know if a lot of you listeners have ever been to New Orleans, but New Orleans is an awesome place. It has a lot of great culture, a lot of history, and a lot of good food. And then it has Bourbon Street. Well, I soaked it all in. You know, I went to the, the Garden District. I went into all the museums. I went and had a beignet. And then at the nighttime, I went ahead and went down the Bourbon Street experience. Well, throughout the entire fucking town or 
lower half of the state, all you see is who dat or fucking voodoo shit. Okay. And then one of the oldest bars in New Orleans is called the Old Absinthe House on Bourbon Street, just past Canal. I may be wrong on that. I'm sure somebody will correct me, but it's it's on that road. <laughs> well, I went into the Absinthe House and I, I really didn't have much knowing about it other than it was like 22 bucks for something that was from 1875 imported from Europe gave some wormwood content like it was the real deal shit and then I I would order a a glass of it and you know it was two ounces they put this metal spoon on your like little rocks glass they put a, a, a fucking sugar cube on it and then they would dump the liquor on top of that and then they'd light the sugar cube on fire. The shit's such a high concentrate. Like, it would start on fire, and all that sugar start to melt down, and then they would take water and spray it on top of sugar, stir it in, and it would glow. Well, it tastes like an incredible amount of black licorice, and, you know, you drink three or four of those, one of them's good. Three of them, you're in another fucking planet. Well, I went into some Madame Kamei or, you know, it was a voodoo shop there off New Orleans. It was off a side road. And, you know, it had a, a leopard head that you put money in. It had a bunch of voodoo dolls and all these potion bottles and shit like that. And this fucking asshole with dreadlocks was like, yeah, dude, just go get a reading. Go get reading." Finally fucking talked me into it. I was like, fine, paid him, went back there, opened up the beads, walked back into the room. This lady came back out. She was an older woman, kind of fucked up looking. Definitely somebody I wouldn't waste time turning around and looking at again. Uh, Came out and she took a look at me. She stepped back and she's like, you need to leave. What the fuck are you talking about? I paid. I mean, just like a paper song or you know, what's going on? I, I paid money. Are you going to do nothing? She's like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. Get the fuck out of here. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to sit here and argue with this old lady. Went back up to the cash register guy. And I was like, whatever the fuck you guys got going on here, I ain't playing this game. I want paid back now. So him and I are going back and forth, and the entire time, she sneaks out of that back room, comes up to me, puts her hand on my back, and then lightly pulls it off and then steps back. And I turn around, and I got this sick feeling, like, you know, when you drink too much and you smoke weed and you just start to hit that feeling where you're like, oh, fuck, I need to lay down or I'm going to throw up, and you have to put your foot on the ground when you're laying down so everything stops spinning. And then this, this like sorrow and remorse and regret and this like panicky pain feeling at the same time. Like my mom just caught me jerking off and I have a porno in my fucking VHS player and I have my dick in my hand. I'm on my knees in front of my TV. You know, it's like, what the fuck do you do then? Well, that's how I felt. <clears throat> so I didn't pay any mind, you know, went and grabbed some more food. Went to Acme Oysters, ate a bunch of oysters from the bar. It was happy hour. They were like a quarter apiece. 
won't forget that part of it. But at the back of my mind, everything that I can go back to is after she touched me, it was like all that feeling started to come out. Like it was like something reached inside of and grabbed strings of things that I didn't know and pulled it out to the right to the skin level. You know what I mean? Like pulled it out, got stuck on the skin and then they let go. Like, okay, here it all is a whole nother bag of worms. Well, I get down to Florida and it was the worst 10 days of my life. It was nonstop fighting. Realizing that, you know, we didn't have much in common. Our, our goals in life were different, you know, and this is something that just came out of nowhere. I mean, you always have those thoughts when you're married, you know, unless you're married to the right one, but at the end of the day, you just bottle it up, put it in the shelf and lock it down. Well, this time I couldn't. And the fucked up thing is, is I never had been pulled over in my life at that point, just pulled over. I've been in an accident. That's different. But wasn't speeding, wasn't doing anything, got pulled over, got a ticket for 75 bucks for going three miles over the speed limit. And, you know, then had to go down there and face that. And, you know, have these people that we were staying with because they were her family um, look at me like I was some type of dick. And so I drove back got pulled over not once but twice and got two more tickets. The moment I got home, within a week, I was told, oh, we should do a trial separation. And I just said, fuck it, and went and got a divorce. You know, filed for a goddamn lawyer, had her served, filed for the divorce, tried to let it go. Well, that that turned into being an ultimate shit show. Like, just a complete fucking shit show and custody battles tens of thousands of dollars for fucking lawyers and you know child support that you know most people don't even make a month is what i was paying her because you know i'm i'm not a guy that just you know works at mcdonald's i i work for a very big internet company and my commissions were very large and i was in the upper six-figure range and not to mention she was the daddy's girl that owns a tow truck company that has i don't know 20 or 30 trucks running i mean he's not hurting by any means so you know we had that privilege going on but um it just it was a horrible life it just it was horrible so just like any normal person i i have a knee injury that i got and they would prescribe me meds and it was oxycodone and then for my anxiety they'd give me xanax two of the most easiest drugs that you could fucking abuse and i'd get prescribed as much as you could legally prescribe and it was called the the doctor ended up losing his license because it was like the holy trinity or something crazy like that it was opiates and you know benzos and something else and he was giving me all that and you know it it made me an addict like i had to have my you know opiate i had to have my benzo you know it changed the way i was you know it just you, you start going through shit and after you break up and you have stuff that you can over abuse you do that 
Well, little things would always happen around me, but I wouldn't pay any validity or any attention to it or give it any validity because I was like, I was, I was stoned or I was doped up on my fucking pain meds they were giving me or I took too much Xanax and I was in my whole other world. So I never really gave a lot of the things that were going on around me any validity in my life. Just like, ah, well, whatever. Well, you go through hell and there's a country song. Is it if you're going through hell, keep on moving? Well, that's what I did. I kept on moving, I kept on running, and you know what? I made it out the other side. And everything started looking up. Job went back to normal, pay started coming back up, pulled myself up out of the ashes, worked my fucking asses off to get to where I was, to where I'm back at today. But everything got better except one thing, and that was that shit was happening around me that, you know, was definitely not supposed to be happening. And it took a while for it at first for me to actually start paying attention to it because it was like, oh, I should have left a window open or, you know, I must be tripping. Should stop smoking that kind of weed. Like went from an indica to a sativa to a hybrid. Thought I'd seen things running out of the corner of my eye. Doors were opening and closing. Would hear voices in the middle of the night. I'm like, fuck, man. All right, well, I got good insurance. I, I need to go to a psychiatrist. Like, this isn't normal. You know, maybe this is some after effect. You got some PTSD, something. It's normal. I talked to some friends that have been through divorce. And, you know, they're always saying, you know, the same thing. Like, yo, dude, like. You go through all kinds of weird shit after you get divorced when you lose everything and have to start over, you know, like it, it really fucks with your psyche. So I went to, his name's Dr. Sykes and I went to him and, you know, told him what was going on and he was just like, you know, normally when you start hearing stories about shit like this, it's immediate, you know, you need a psychotic medicine, you know, you're schizophrenic or you have onslaughts of schizophrenia and you know there's a couple other illnesses that he named but you know he he wasn't convinced enough to write me a prescription one of the things that he said that was most consistent is that every time we talked my story never changed and moved in with my cousin Steve and we lived out in the country as I'm going through my divorce you know I got into some legal issues because I found some things out and was kind of a dick about some stuff it turns out it was illegal to call people names and you know went through some domestic violence shit because if you call somebody a bitch in Colorado that's domestic violence and you know went through some classes well we were in a highly concentrated area of testosterone. Um, COVID was going on. You know, we did a wrestling camp. Both of us were real big in the sports in school. We had a barn that we transformed into a wrestling gym and, you know, like a fighting gym for MMA. And people would come over with their kids five nights a week 
pay a shit ton of money to get one-on-one training with wrestling people. And, you know, that's, that's kind of when it all started going crazy. So the first experience that I really ever had where it was real obvious was, is like I said, is during COVID, if you're a mildly attractive guy that knows how to use dating websites, it was like a fucking gold mine. Well, we had that barn that we converted into, you know, uh, a full-blown workout gym. And when you'd pull the door down, it was one of those steel buildings and had a giant fucking white door. And we had a projector and we put, you know, movies on or music videos, whatever it was that we wanted to. And they'd project on that door and we'd have a bonfire. Well, we were out in the middle of the country in Parker, Colorado, and, you know, we were on about 20 acres. So the next house on each side was about 20 acres. Away. And there's only one way into that neighborhood and one way out. And there's only one way into our house and one way out. So, you know, everyone that was supposed to be with us was at the bonfire and we didn't see or hear anything coming up to the home because headlights in the middle of the night out there where our ranch was or our farm, and it was a big three-level house. You know, it wasn't some little shack. It was was a big three-level Colorado Parker home. Very nice, very well put together. We were updating it, you know, making it even nicer, but you would absolutely know if somebody was driving up. Well, Steve's master bedroom was upstairs all the way to the right. If you're standing at the back door and you're facing it to the right and up two floors, there was a balcony that came out that had a fireplace up there and he had a pitching green or a, a driving green up on that deck so we because we'd hit golf balls right out of his bedroom you know patio directly into the property that's that's how big it was well no one was allowed in the house we had kids we had my two kids little girl little boy and you know his two kids which were really little and you know it's just it wasn't a house if you weren't in there with us you didn't fucking go in there and if you knew what happened in that barn, you would know that's the wrong house to go into on advice. Well, we looked up at the top of the room and there's somebody walking around in the top bedroom. I looked at him and was like, hey, man, like, what's going on? And he looked, everyone looked and saw it. Just a black shadow walking back and forth. Looked definitely a person just walking back. And our instant instinct was... You take the front, I'm going out the back. We had a giant bull mastiff dog that was just laying on the fucking back patio. There's no way you're getting in and out of that house. There's not. I ran in through the front. He ran in through the back. People saw it coming up until they saw Steve run into the room. I went into the room, searched the whole house. Guns pointed. People standing out there. No one's in that house. So we're like, all right, well, you know, could have been the fan, could have been anything cast in the shadow. That's cool, whatever. Well, we walk back out of that house, and this is something I never, ever admitted before, but when we got back down to the, the 
fire pit. We looked back up. His bedroom door slammed so hard that it broke the window. And mind you, we were just up there. And there was a person standing up in his room. And it slammed the door hard enough where it broke the window in the door. So that was the first instance. And I kept telling him, I'm like, something's going on, man. Something's going on. Doors are opening. Faucets are turning on. Voices. Seeing people standing in the man room. Like, we had a man cave. We split the middle level. He had the top. I had the bottom. The middle level was the common ground. You know, and there's nights that he'd, like, stand up at the top of the stairs and be like, Jerry, get the fuck up here. Blah, blah, blah. You know, freaking out. And we'd go into the man room. There was this giant recliner couch where it could fit eight people easily, but the whole bottom end lifted up like a recliner. So, I mean, seriously, when you lifted up the recliner, it would lay down like a bed that would sleep eight people. So we'd fall asleep watching movies because neither of us wanted to spend time in our rooms by ourselves. And one of the nights that really stands out to me after the initial night with somebody walking around upstairs, I have an 80-inch TV, and there's a built-in entertainment center in the basement, and it was all open. I had a living room that was blocked by a bookcase that I made a living room, and then I had a bedroom, and then I had my, my bathroom where my shower and my toilet and everything else was, but I, I made it one big open room. and I was laying in bed and I looked up and there was somebody standing in front of the TV and, you know, Steve was a whore, you know, and there's, there's so many women that came in and out of that house during COVID that you couldn't tell who was a real person or who wasn't what, you know what I mean? It was like, there was always somebody in there that was fucking one of us. And you know, I woke up. And I knew that I went to bed alone that night. We didn't drink or do drugs. It was just, you know, I woke up and there's someone standing in front of my TV. And there was nights Steve would come running downstairs like, oh, my God, this girl had her period and shit the bed. You need to get her fuck out of here. We need to burn the house down. <laughs> you know, like we had that kind of relationship. It was just him and I and our boys. And, you know, people, we just did weird shit for each other. He wanted somebody out of the house. I got him out of there. Well, I saw someone standing in front of the fucking TV. I'm like, yo, get the fuck out of here, man. I'm trying to get some sleep. Out of work early in the morning. Get the fuck out. Nothing happened. I turned back around. He's gone. Oh, that's fucking nuts. Well, I went upstairs the next morning. And there was a note on the kitchen table. It was like, hey, brother. One thirty in the morning. I know you're asleep. Do you mind feeding um, the dog while I'm out and the chickens? Like, you know, make sure that they're fed. And you know, I should be home sometime tomorrow night. Well, when I woke up, it was around three o'clock in the morning. There's no way he was there. So I called him. I'm like, you know, you wrote this letter. Why did you put a time on it? Because I woke up around three, and he's like, actually, man, like, I left. Right after that happened, it was like, I just wanted to make sure you fed rubble and the chickens. 
and Rubble was the name of our bull mastiff. And you know, he was he was gone right after he wrote that letter. And I I, I remember specifically, I looked over at the clock. Like, what the fuck is this dude doing down here in the morning? And it wasn't him, you know. And Anna, the girl that he was, you know, going to hang out with, had pictures of them around that time, like selfies. Because I, I yelled at him, yelled, I was like, that's not cool, man. Like, you fucking say that you went somewhere, you wake me up in the middle of the night, then you disappear, like, I ain't playing these fucking games, man. It's scary enough in this house. Don't fucking do that to me. I, I don't find it funny anymore. And, you know, he got real defensive about it, like really defensive about it. He was like, he's like, well, if you don't like it, we could just, you know, split the house up and fucking move. And it was like, no, it's, it's cool, man. I'm just telling you, don't fuck around with it like that. Well, that began the era of him and I not speaking about and then shortly after that, you know, we started doing construction on the house. And we built this big brick archway. And every time we were fixing up that house, nothing would happen. But the moment construction stopped, things ramped up hard. You know, and we would never talk about it. Just to the point where we were sleeping in the man room together on a fucking, you know, reclining couch. As grown fucking men, you know, not cuddling or anything. And even if we were cuddling, like, because we were scared, who gives a fuck? Two very straight men that had sex with a lot of women, cuddling up on the couch, terrified, shaking, like hearing voices and footsteps and doors closing, kitchen cabinets opening, silverware falling on the floor, fucking dining room table chairs flying across the room, and we just wouldn't talk about it. Well, I finally had enough, and I was like, dude, I'm going to catch this shit on camera. The goddamn basement door keeps opening up. The whole fucking basement stinks, and then the goddamn room gets freezing cold. Well, I recorded that door opening. That was my first video. And I was excited, like, ooh, I got it on camera. Fuck you. And I showed Steve, I was like, look, look, motherfucker, you know the windows down there. There's three of them. There's no way enough wind would come down how far those windows are dug down to open this door. There's none. It, this door was shut completely and opened up. And, you know, after I showed him, we actually had to talk about it. And then, you know, we had a shabu shabu night. Shabu Shabu is basically like a hot pot. It's this thing you set in the middle of the table. It's a community meal. You make a bunch of rice. You put your meat into this like little tray that circles around hot broth. And you put your vegetables, your peppers and shit in it. And you get this thin sliced meat and you have a community meal. Well, we both had women over there that are different than who we are now. But... Needless to say, at the end of that meal, we were sitting there. He went upstairs. He was a little bit of a pervert. Came down half nude after having sex with his girl. I was still hanging out with the girl that I was hanging out with, this redhead named Roxanne. And we were standing in the kitchen. <clears throat> well, we had both the little boys there. And it was routine. 
like I said, very strict wrestler. You're one mind, you know, like you train these kids from a young age to be, you know, national champions. So these boys live, eat, breathe wrestling, school, and being good humans, church. So at 8 o'clock, those kids were supposed to be in bed. And this is around 11. We were sitting in the kitchen. And we were with these two other ladies. And he's sitting there in the chair. And we hear running around upstairs. All right? And I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, fuck, man, the boys are up. And I knew if I went up there, it was one of the two. And we had to read them a story. And if they were both wide awake, then we'd have to read both of them a story and try to slowly pick one up to take them into their own room and put them to bed without waking them up. Because they were hyperactive kids. Love them to death, but these boys had major, major energy. You know, the two-year-old was squaring off with you, trying to wrestle with you, digging his head in the side of your body, fucking ready to wrestle you, too. Because he's been wrestling since he could walk. Well, Steve goes up there, and he comes back down. We heard the laughing. We heard giggling. We heard running up and down the hall. Everyone heard it. There was four people. He comes back downstairs. He sits on the chair. He looks at me and he goes, I need you to go up there. You're a fucking dad. What do you want me to go up there? He's like, I need you to go up there and see if these boys are asleep. <laughs> what? Everyone knows they're not asleep, motherfucker. Like, what do you want me to do? He goes, go check on the boys. I go up there. I go into Sebastian's room. The first door on the right. You go up the stairs. You hit the main top of the floor. You take a right. Take another right. There's Sebastian. You go further down the hall. The last door on the, the right is Asher. They were both out cold. So I, you know, moved them around, pulled the blanket up, and their head had left a slight sweat mark, which meant that they hadn't moved. You know what I mean? He always kept the temperature real high during the winter. And it was so goddamn hot in that house, if you didn't sweat, there was something wrong with you. Well, and then I went into Asher, and his hair was wet. Like, he hadn't moved. He was sweating. He was out, out cold. And every one of us in that house heard kids laughing and running around. So we, we bottled it up, and I came down scared as a ghost, and I looked at him, and I was like, <laughs> what do you want me to fucking say? They're, they're out. It, uh, there's no way that they would have been able to fake running around. One's two and one's four, whatever their age were at that time. They are really young. And then get back in their exact same position and fall asleep before we went up the stairs. Because we didn't, you know, scream and yell at them. We'd go up back in there and like, hey, it's time for bed. Get out of bed. We're going to squat you on the butt. Give you a little spanking. It's time for bed. You know, it's adult time now. You guys go to sleep. Well, they were out. There's no one up there. And that was the start of the paranoia. I would say. And then, you know, Steve, his ex-wife, came over and was like, well, none of this shit ever happened until you moved in. Because I moved in after she moved out. 
So we raised the boys as, you know, a hetero couple and all of our kids and the women we were with moved out and did their own thing. But it was like a farm designed for our children where they were, you know, had go-karts and doom buggies and dirt bikes and, you know, crossbows and shit like that. And a full-blown wrestling clinic going on in the backyard when they were with their mom. They got mommy and, you know, kid time. And that was the first time to where I was like, all right, well, this is serious. Not. Well, things kept getting worse after that. And his ex-wife came over and she's like, it's something with you. You know, I, I have those type of medium type things and I'm thinking this is fucking crazy. You know, like we were getting prayers. People were coming to the house to pray. Then they wouldn't come into it. And, you know, and a lot of them were like, yo, it's Jared. <laughs> this fucking guy's done something or something evil calling around him. It's him. So we, we hit a crossroads one night when we went out to the bar and he was like, well, everything would be perfect if you weren't a fucking mouse because whatever you're your fucking shit is, is following you around and it's fucking up me and the kids and it's like, fine. You know, and I moved out and got into my serious relationship. Shortly after that, moved again. And that's when we ended up at that, that house together. I mean, like, when I was alone, nothing happened, man. It was like, fuck, it's this guy talking about it. Like, it literally destroyed a good friendship at that point. And then when I moved to an apartment, you know, and nothing happened, I'm looking at him like, are you fucking idiot? Like, nothing's happened with me by myself. You know? And he was just like, all right, man, well, let's go back. And then things happened between me and my wife at that point. They had developed and we decided if, you know, we moved again, it would be with each other. But if we did that, we were going to get married. And then that's when we moved in that second house where the next video stepped. But on my way out of that house, I had moved a lot of the stuff out. And I thought Steve was upstairs. We're out in the country. We wore cowboy boots. Well, I heard those boots walking around upstairs. And then that's when, you know, whatever it was, what was up there, stopped at the top of the stairs. I heard it. And I'm standing like five steps up of 14 and I heard it start sprinting down the stairs at me with like boots on. And then that's, that's where I had to cut the video. Like I ran camera dropped. I got the fuck out. And with that being said, uh, we're at the end of our hour here, and we're going to continue this conversation in the next episode for you guys to listen to. <laughs> of course we would, right? Right when we're getting to the culmination of your story, we would uh, transition to the next episode. All right. Well, yeah, man. Like, like I said, it's going to take a while to tell the story. So. Absolutely. But that's part I'm one. I'm just going to let you cut it off, and uh, we'll pick up where I left off. Yeah. That's part one of the uh, series of the origins of Dino. You guys are going to have to tune in next week to uh, get the the next chapter of the story. So with that being said, I'm going to play us out unless you got anything else you want to uh, emphasize. Nope.
Have a good night. Sleep tight and don't let the bed bug. That's been Jared and Tim on the dark side of Dino. Another scare session for all you paranormal freaks out there. Till next time.